A Hockey Hall of Famer will have his number retired by the Chicago Blackhawks. We have our women's hockey spotlight and NHL rookie camps are set to begin. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And you can also now find us on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just do a search for Locked On NHL. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Rachel, it is uh, great to be back and to talk a little hockey with you. And uh, here we are. I mean, things are really going to get started this coming week, but... uh, First, some interesting news from around the NHL. The Chicago Blackhawks going to retire the jersey of Hall of Famer Chris Chelios. Uh, I have to say this is a deserved honor uh, by Chelios in many ways. I mean, he is uh, in the Hall of Fame for a reason, but I know he's not exactly your favorite player. He is not. And I I will say I hold exactly one grudge in my life and it is against Chris Chelios and you know it's it's a me thing it's a hundred percent a me thing and so like if you love Chris Chelios enjoy that enjoy that life I appreciate you and all that you do but uh, I recall back in in the year of our lord 1989 when the Montreal Canadiens were playing the Philadelphia Flyers in the playoffs and Chris Chelios elbowed Brian Propp in the head up against the glass, had to be carted off the ice, a concussion, uh, just a hugely impactful thing that uh, Chris Chelios did. Uh, You might recall, if you remember those days, that uh, Ron Hextall went after Chelios in retaliation later in the series, which, sure, as you do, Ronnie. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I just, that that was a, a hugely important hockey moment for me as a youth and I, I never forgot it. And, you know, I've let like every other sports grudge go in my life, but this one will stick with me, I think for the rest of my life. That being said, honestly, like he does deserve this. And I think it's really cool that they're doing it um, against the Detroit Red Wings where, you know, he played the other largest number of years of his career um, I think it was cool they made the announcement at a Pearl Jam concert because he's friends with them. Um, but I'm I'm just gonna just sit here in my in my grudge and live that life. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice touch to announce it at the concert. And look, you look yeah. at Chelios, uh, and, and one of the old school physical defensemen uh, in the Hall of Fame, three Stanley Cup wins, three Norris trophies. Uh, the Mark Messier Award and a seven-time postseason All-Star. 
Uh, I mean, sure. the credentials are certainly there, and he it's is. It's all great. It's sure. And, and he's one of the few players who was with the Atlanta Thrashers who is in the Hockey Hall of Fame, although we only played seven games for them. But uh, can't say there's a lot of Atlanta Thrashers in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yes, that is also true. But uh, yep, yeah, I'll be skipping that ceremony. But again, <laughs> if that's your thing, enjoy it. Well, look, uh, I, I, I always respected Chris Chelios for his physicality and for his uh, skills as an NHL defenseman. But I totally understand where you're coming from with the grudge. Keep keeping in mind that there are more than a few fans of other teams that have grudges against Ron Hextall, for example. Sure. With some of the things and that he did. Please over enjoy those grudges. Enjoy those <laughs> grudges against Ron Hextall. I do too for his time as GM of the Flyers. Yeah, I can understand that uh, as well. But uh, anyway, the Blackhawks going to retire Chris Chelios's number. And uh, I, I, again, congratulations to Chelios on that and then uh, the other big news from earlier this week the ottawa senators signing defenseman jake sanderson eight years 64.4 million dollars uh is the extension your thoughts on this deal and uh and both the term and the length yeah i think that you know by signing the extension now when there's still a year left of his elc that really shows a commitment to sanderson uh, from the senators and that they weren't going to let this go and that Sanderson was going to be like one of the biggest parts of their blue line moving forward. I love him as a player. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's interesting just that he's making just a sketch more money than Shabbat um, on that team on the blue line. I think there is some method to that madness there for sure. But uh, yeah, so he'll have one more year on that ELC and then that's when the contract kicks in. Um, it will be interesting to see what the senator's cap management will look like at that point um, because, you know, they'll have to decide at that point what's going on with Tarasenko um, on the forward side of things. So I think like as the senators try and like take that next step, managing the cap along with it is going to be a huge deal. It is. And, you know, I guess the, the, the question that comes into my mind, I mean, look, no questions about Sanderson's potential. He was the fifth overall pick back in 2020. His yeah. dad played in the NHL, Jeff Sanderson for many years. But I mean, do you think, paying him $8 million a year after just one season in the NHL. Do you think that they did this maybe a little bit too soon? Or is he already proven himself to be that good in your mind that they did the right thing by locking him up now? Yeah, I mean, I think he's that good. And I think, you know, having a full season was enough for me. Um, you know, the term is a risk. It's always a risk when you sign those kind of deals. but. I certainly have confidence in the player and his ability. I, I mean, I, I do too, but that's a big commitment. And mm -hmm. after just one year in the NHL, look, I understand wanting to, you know, the, the price is only going to go up. If you wait a year, it's not going to be, you know, you, you'll have to pay him nine or nine, five a year, more likely if uh, assuming he does well, but that's a big monetary commitment. And, you know, especially for 
defensemen, they tend to take a little bit longer to reach their full uh, adjustment to the NHL. It's a little bit of a gamble uh, in my mind, giving him that much money after just one year in the league. Oh, sure. It absolutely is. But I I think in this case, it's a good gamble to take. I agree with that. I mean, it's just, there's just a little something about it that's leaving me uneasy. I I can't say I think it was a bad move, but it's just like that much money that soon. There's just a little voice in the back of my head that says, maybe, just maybe this is more of a gamble than the team should take. But we will see. Uh, you know, how this all plays out. And and certainly the Senators very happy to have Sanderson all locked up and ready to go. We have got a lot more to get to on today's show. Erica Ayala will be joining us for our Women's Hockey Spotlight. That is coming up next. Football season just kicked off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Pick any team to win the Super Bowl. You get bonus bets for every victory. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I'm personally going to bet on the Eagles to do good things because that's how I roll. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Take some time to visit FanDuel. Include money lines, props around your team. Hey, hockey fans, welcome to another Women's Hockey Spotlight. My name is Erica L. Ayala, but let's get into it. We finally have more details. We even have signings for the Professional Women's Hockey League, the PWHL. A couple of weeks ago, we made mention of a few details. So let's get into the signings. The Boston team, PWHL Boston, announced their first three signings, Hillary Knight, Megan Keller, and Aaron Frankel. Knight, a forward from USA Hockey, Keller, a defender from USA Hockey, and Aaron Frankel, a goaltender from USA Hockey. Now, the window for free agency is September 1st through September 10th, so just through the weekend. Minnesota names Kendall Coyne Schofield a forward, Kelly Panic a forward, and Lee Steckline. Montreal, no real surprise here, but Montreal goes with Marie-Philippe Poulain, Captain Clutch for Canada, and René Debien, great goaltender also from Team Canada, and Laura Stacy, a forward from Hockey Canada. Now, New York has Abby Rock, a forward from USA program, Alex Carpenter, a forward from the USA program, and we're also hearing reports that uh, Micah Zandi Hart uh, will also sign with New York. That's not official, 
uh, at least it's not official official. Ottawa has Emily Clark, a forward, Brienne Jenner, a forward, and Emirates Mashmeyer, a goaltender. And for Toronto, Renata Fast, Blair Turnbull. And I left the name at the top of the list if you're watching on YouTube for last because we are going to hear from Sarah Nurse on today's episode of Locked On NHL. You can check out the full Locked On Women's Hockey segment for today. That's Friday, September 8th. Let me take you to my interview with Sarah Nurse. You get to sign with PWHL Toronto. It's been officially announced. How you feeling? It's so surreal. Um, I mean, I'm so incredibly grateful that I was able to fit in the puzzle that Gina was wanting to build and to be, you know, one of the foundational building blocks of a franchise that I think is as prestigious as Toronto. Um, I, I couldn't be more happy. It was announced that Brian Burke will be the first executive director. So how did that come about? Did the players pick that? Was it with the league? Was it collaborative? Was Brian just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to do the thing. Like how'd that happen? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny because, uh, so our bargaining committee, Brianne Jenner, Hillary Knight, Kendall Coin Schofield, Liz Knox, and myself, um, we are a part of the interim executive board until the executive board can actually be directed at, at uh, season start. And so we were like, we need an executive director for our Players Association uh, because we are players. So we kind of put out, um, I guess, feelers within the industry and, you know, got some applicants through word of mouth and different things like that. So we actually interviewed uh, four, I believe, applicants and Berkey was obviously one of them. And uh, just immediately after speaking with him, we we knew as a group that he was the one. He is somebody that has gone to bat for us Um he is somebody that's been supportive of the women's game for so incredibly long. And so we knew pretty immediately uh, we were able to call him back and he had tears in his eyes. Uh, and, I, and I understand like he could have a lot of jobs in a lot of different places. He could have probably worked for the league if he wanted to, but he, he totally understands how important and impactful um, his position is. And he's so excited to work with us. Uh, he's on the clock at all times. He's sending texts at all hours of the night, um, but he is, he's so ready to get this thing going and, and be the executive director. Well, you, when I talk with Troy Ryan about you, he like, we had a whole like hour and a half conversation, <laughs> but uh, you know, his name has been tossed around. So I'm not going to completely put you on the spot. Although like blink five times, if he is going to be, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm waiting. No, <laughs> no, it was just jokes, but also, I mean, you know, if you, if you want to, that's fine. But um, generally speaking, what, what, um, what do you have to say about Troy Ryan, who also has been a part of uh, the women's national team, as you said, in, in that period where it was really time to dig a little deeper and, and establish uh, what kind of program you want it to be moving forward? Troy, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, him and I, I feel like we've almost grown up together a little bit. And I credit so much to me making that 2018 Olympic team to Troy. Uh, I'm pretty proud of the evolution and, you know, the working relationship that we've been able to build. And, um, you know, whatever team in the PWHL that gets to hire Troy, uh, it's going to be a very lucky franchise. So I'll have to talk to Gina about that, but very, very lucky. <laughs> All right. I'm going to tell her Sarah sent me. Um, <laughs> I mentioned that free agency September 1st through the 10th. After that, teams will then 
go through a draft process and the draft is going to snake. So Minnesota has the first pick, but then they won't pick again until I believe it's pick 11 and 12. And so the PWHL is doing that teams have the capability to sign their first few players in free agency. Then a good majority of their players will come through the draft. Then there's another free agent period after the draft so that the teams can shore up their rosters ahead of the season where puck drop is expected for January 2024. So our next guest is Madison Packer. She won a championship with the Metropolitan Riveters in what was then the National Women's Hockey League. And then the, the name changed to the Premier Hockey Federation. She's been the captain, has played with the Riveters her entire pro career. And Madison Packer is one of those players that will either be selected in the draft or on the bookend uh, of the draft and the second free agency period. But let's go to a snippet from my interview with Madison Packer so you can learn from her what her process is going to be for the upcoming draft and free agency period. For you, There are six PWHL teams. Um, how many teams have you reached out to and or heard from as you get ready for the draft on September 18th? So to this point, I've only reached out to one team because I'm hoping to land in a specific market. Uh, if that doesn't happen, we'll adjust our strategy. It'll be a different approach. Uh, I will talk to anyone that wants to talk to me, but um, right now I'm focused on trying to stay close to home if that's a possibility for me. And if it isn't, then uh, we'll pivot and we'll start having some more conversations. So just as a recap for our listeners, the PWHL markets are Ottawa, Montreal and Toronto and Canada. And then you have Minnesota, Boston, and what is being called the New York team might be tri-state. So since Michigan is not in one of those teams, is it safe to assume that the team that you're eyeing is the PWHL New York team? Yes. Uh, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to seeing a few years out as far as how the league can grow from here? Yeah, I think that, we were on the right track with the PHF. Um, I think that if you look at, you know, we always say, okay, PHF finished season eight. We were going on season nine. I think you and I have talked before. I always kind of looked at it like the PHF really took stride after the catastrophic bubble. Um, that was when we really pivoted and got more innovative with things The the professionalism elevated a little bit. Uh, resources were heightened there was a bigger investment from the, the the owners at that point to commit more from a salary and resource standpoint to the athletes. So we started to move in the right direction. That said, nothing's perfect. Um, there was definitely more to be had. Uh, I think that the PETA, former PETA players and their leadership and vision um, included a lot of what was happening at the PHF, um, also included some elevation to that. They had a different idea uh, of what, you know, what to prioritize from a player resource standpoint, all valid. Um, so I think that you're going to see all of that coming together uh, and really we're starting anew. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see whether I'm involved as a player or I'm not, and I'm, you know, an outsider looking in. Um, I think it's going to be a bit of a step backward. And I don't mean that in a disparaging or negative way. I just think that people need to level their expectations, right? This isn't, a new PW or a new PHF or a new anything. This is 
its own brand new from the bottom up. We're starting anew. And so they're going to make mistakes. Everybody does. Um, they'll make mistakes that were made in the P dub. They'll make mistakes that were made in the NWHL. They'll make mistakes that were made in the PHF because it's new people learning and making decisions. But there's also so much more money and so many more resources and, and so much more committed to making this successful and for the long haul that those mistakes will be corrected and learned from at a much quicker rate. So I don't think it's out of the question to see, okay, maybe a few hiccups in the beginning, but then it's going to take flight. Because again, a lot of these things are things that have been done and learned, but nobody really knows what to look out for, right? You think you've got all the boxes checked and then you show up on the first day and you're like, we don't have socks, like something ridiculous, right? There's just always something that someone doesn't think of. That said, a lot of those things have happened and a lot of those minds are still in the mix. So they'll catch those things. And again, money buys things and there's a lot more money. There's a lot more marketing resources. There are a lot more, you know, now sponsors willing to get involved because their money's not going to compete against one another. So um, when I say a step back, I don't mean it as a bad thing. I think that they're going to be really excited to jump in and get things going. And then we'll, we'll learn a couple things, not in a ridiculously hard way. And, and it'll just keep going up and up from there. Um, and I think that this league is really going to like, just glow and shine in a way we've never seen somewhere probably around year two or three, like mid two to three. It's they're really going to figure it out, hit a stride. Uh, maybe at that point there's other owners in the mix. I, I hope to see some NHL involvement, some partners with whether it's teams or whatever. Um, but those are all very real things now that there's only one group of, you know, one team and, or one league and one group of players working towards that goal. This isn't year nine of the PHF or year six of the P-Dub. This is year one of a new league and uh, it's going to grow much more quickly and pop off, but uh, it's going to take a little time in the beginning to get things smooth. And as we close out for this locked on NHL women's hockey spotlight segment, you and I had the opportunity to chat for a different outlet and you opened uh, with a very particular way. And I want to just give you the opportunity if you'd like to close with that same message. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I just want to note and acknowledge that, that there have been a lot of people who have worked really hard to showcase women's hockey, uh, professional hockey across North America and those players won't be able to do so or have the opportunity in the PWHL. Um, but their contributions should always be recognized, even though they may not be out on the ice. Uh, I have tremendous gratitude and respect for those individuals. And I hope that they feel a great sense of pride when they see the players hit the ice in January, knowing that they have ownership of where women's hockey is today because of their dedication and sacrifice in the beginning to get the ball rolling. Players have had to declare that they want to play in the PWHL for them to be eligible to be drafted or signed in free agency. But what's going to be the strategy for Minnesota? Again, they they shored up. They have two forwards and a defender. But do they go with a goaltender with the number one pick? Well, I guess you're just going to have to tune in to the next women's hockey spotlight by then we'll have had the draft it will be in person there'll be media availability there and of course right here on locked on nhl we will keep you up to date all right erica l ayala signing off for another women's hockey spotlight let me take you back to rachel and gill And I want to thank Erica Ayala once again for the Women's Hockey Spotlight. We do that here on the Friday show every other week and a very exciting time in women's hockey right now. So glad to have Erica aboard to keep us updated with those great interviews. 
Rachel, exciting time in the NHL as well as we are approaching rookie camps and tournaments for rookies. And uh, it's great to know that we are, you know, very close to starting live hockey again. Uh, which one of these tournaments has caught your eye the most? Yeah, well, before we even get to the tournaments, I'm just excited that uh, we will have players in NHL uniform skating at practices and uh, scrimmages and such starting this upcoming week so that next Friday on the show, we're going to have actual stuff to talk about uh, when it comes to um, NHL players. But I love the the rookie camps because there's like a different intensity to them than there was for the development camps that happened over the summer. You know, those are billed as more learning experiences and, and such and, you know, increasing skills and figuring out what they need to work on in this upcoming season. Rookie camp is a lot more competitive because some of these guys are battling for NHL spots. And, you know, some of them, they're trying to figure out where they fit in on a pro team or should they go back to junior hockey? And there's like a lot of questions around it. So, you know, I think I do think that the meaningfulness and the intensity kick it up a notch for for rookie camps. And then you're right. We do have these tournaments that come up, um, you know, obviously with my flyers, they just have a home and or a back to back rookie series with the New York Rangers. And that, that'll be played in Allentown where the Flyers AHL affiliate, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms play. So it's, um, so it's nice for the fans there to be able to get to see uh, the rookies. And it's like pretty much equidistant from New York and Philly pretty close in terms of travel time. So fans from both teams will have a chance to, to go see their kids play. Yeah, and that that's always a plus. And you can usually get, you know, y- y- these are not held in in big NHL arenas most of the time. You can get a lot closer to the players, which is definitely uh, a benefit for the fans. And and there's always in, in these tournaments and even in rookie camps, there's always one or two players per team who surprise a little bit and all of a sudden they become part of the conversation. Hey, we didn't think this guy would be ready, but boy, does he look good? And maybe he has a better chance of either making the team this year or a year or two down the road than we had initially thought. Yeah. And I'm excited for all those stories to pop up from around the league. And, you know, there's some of these uh, tournaments that have been going on for a while now. Uh, the one in Traverse city, Michigan, love that one. Uh, it's, it's a big, uh, uh, middle of the country tournament, I guess you can call it, but Detroit, Columbus, Dallas, and the Leafs are playing in this one. Um, and all, almost all of these tournaments start next week, like on September 15th. So after a couple days at rookie camp. Um, so we'll talk more about them next week as well, but I love that one. Uh, the one up in Buffalo should be pretty competitive because you have the Sabres there with the Habs and the Bruins and the Senators. And we just talked about, you know, Jake Sanderson, obviously he's not going to be in the rookie games because he's now a grizzled vet after one year, I guess. But um, (laughs) I think that, you know, these, all of these teams are in interesting positions and to see like what the future, especially of the Bruins as they could be on the precipice of, you know, having to, 
reconstitute what they're doing here with with the changes in their roster um you know the sabers have some excellent up-and-coming prospects there you know the senators are on the move so i i think that one is going to be one of the more interesting ones to watch yeah it, it it certainly will be and and the other thing i love about these rookie tournaments you know because so many of them are geographically based you have your rivals going up against each other and it almost builds the rivalry before it gets started. You know, these players are just coming out of junior or college or what have you, and they get this opportunity to go up against some of the biggest rivals that their organization has. And it just, it's like the, the grassroots foundational building of these rivalries that start before a player like, okay, here's the first time you're putting on an NHL uniform and going up against another team. And already you're learning the importance of this rivalry. Oh, absolutely. You got to teach them young, right? Who the the big (laughs) competitors are. And uh, yeah, but I, I do, I do appreciate that aspect of it as well. And, you know, these kids are really working hard to prove themselves and, and have a good showing. Um, I think one of the other interesting ones is out West uh, in uh, Nevada that Vegas is hosting with the Ducks, the Yotes, the Avs, the Kings, and the Sharks. I think there's a lot of young talent in that uh, Pacific division and in that that group of of teams, Um, especially, you know, with the Yotes having a a million draft picks. Let's see them all (laughs) out there, right? The Ducks have a, a bunch of young players that are that are looking real good as do the sharks so i'm actually really excited to watch that one as well i I am as well and you know you you think especially about you know the the coyotes the sharks and the ducks those are teams that are in rebuilding mode and as you said a lot of draft picks a lot of young players to get excited about and you know for fans of those teams to get a, a first extended view of some of these players in a competitive situation against other, you know, players from other organizations who are of their caliber, who are in the same stage of their development as your young players. You know, that's an exciting thing. And I think it adds a little more juice to that tournament. And uh, again, rivalries of, of, of teams that are in the same division, having their prospects go up against each other only adds to the intensity of the moment. Absolutely. And I, I love all of it. And uh, uh, really excited because we have NHL action coming up soon. We do. And and that's good. And, you know, you mentioned the Flyers. The, the Islanders are just going to have their rookie camp. So they're not at this point at least scheduled to compete against another team. But even so, uh, even with, you know, a, a very shallow prospect pool, one that uh, Hadi Kalakesh of Locked On NHL Prospects described as a prospect puddle rather than a prospect pool. Uh, I, I am looking forward to the to the Islanders rookie camp because, you know, it, I, I guess there is a certain amount of hope that is associated with the start of a new season and having these rookie camps and these rookie tournaments getting started is another part of, of that hope springs eternal as the new season gets underway. Love to see it. Yeah, absolutely looking forward to it. 
Well, I want to thank everybody who uh, makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day, every day, every dayers. Monday on the show, I will be back as I discuss the latest news with three of our local hosts from around the league. Make sure you join us for that. And don't forget Locked On NHL Monday through Friday, uh, all off season long. And now that training camps are uh, and rookie tournaments are getting started, we will have all of that covered for you want to thank erica ayala again for the bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight uh, i'm gil martin you can find me on twitter at ice wars nyr vsnyi she's rachel donner you can find her on twitter at r miriam have a great weekend everyone stay safe and thanks again for listening and watching the locked on nhl podcast <laughs>